Hello and welcome to the Big Internet Math Off! The competition where all you wonderful and amazing and brilliant people will be voting for the world's most interesting mathematician. In this first round matchup, we have Paul Taylor versus the Emperor of Exponentiation, the Sultan of Symmetry, the Monarch of Mathematical Podcasting himself, Samuel Hansen. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. That's that you're you're too kind. You are too kind. Thank you, thank you so much. It is so amazing to be here today to do battle for your vote in order to officially become the world's most interesting mathematician. For this first round, I thought I would bring to you a mathematical fact with a far-reaching impact. That fact being that your friends have more friends than you do. No, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, I, I am so sorry. I didn't mean that your friends, dear, smart, honest, popular, beautiful voter, have more friends than, than you do. You clearly have way more friends than any of your friends could possibly have. Which is, of course, why we have asked you to vote as part of this incredibly important math-off. I meant, in general, if you chose a person at random, the probability would be that their friends will have more friends than they do. Even if that random person I just so happen to choose is Scott Feld, the person who literally wrote the paper on this subject. Uh, I'm sure that my friends have more friends than I do, <laughs> on average. It's that last, on average, which really ends up tying all of this together. Because in order to talk about people's friends having more friends than they do, we're really talking about the average number of friends versus the average number of friends of friends. Say, for example, there's a group of 10 friends. One of the 10, Lola, is friends with everyone in the group. And while everyone else is clearly friends with the super popular, but still nowhere near as popular or as smart or as good looking as you are, dear voter, but unlike Lola, all of these other people only have one other friend in the group. So, when you average Lola's nine with the nine others two, the average number of friends for each person in the group is 2.7. But then, looking at the number of friends of friends, for Lola, the answer is two. All of their friends have exactly two friends, so that's an easy average to work out. But for everyone else, it's 5.5, because you average their friend Lola's 9 with their other friend's 2. This means that the average number of friends of friends in this group is 5.15, which is much higher than 2.7. And sure, this is an extreme example, but the main idea behind it holds. When you do these averages... People with the most friends end up overrepresented when you look at the friends of friends average. Of course they do. They have the most friends. Therefore, they will show up most often. 
as Scott says. I mean, in some sense, that paper should be three sentences long. (laughs) But three sentences, 10 pages, an entire book? Hearing that your friends should have more friends than you do, and that it's totally normal and nothing to worry about, will never end up with people feeling good. Everybody I've ever told that to responded by saying they feel worse. (laughs) And (laughs) While it might not make people feel good, it may make sure that they stay feeling good. Now, the reason this so-called friendship paradox is extremely valuable and that we used in some of our work is that you can pick a random sample of people, have them nominate their friends, and those friends will have more friends than they do, will have higher degree and be more central on average in the network. That was Nicholas Christakis, a sociologist and physician who does work on disease epidemics. One of the ways Nicholas studies the epidemics is by looking at how diseases flow through social networks. And being able to identify who is central is incredibly important for this work. Because if we see the epidemic spiking in the central people, we know soon it's going to hit the population at large. Specifically, Nicholas used this friendship paradox method during an H1N1 flu outbreak back in 2011 and found that the more central friends of friends group gave them a six-week earlier warning of epidemic spread of the flu than their random sample group. And six weeks in epidemic time is massive. Plus, this works for way more than just epidemics. And actually, this idea can work not just with germs, but with the spread of ideas, with the spread of uh, um, information and behaviors, and anything that spreads in the network, you can use this trick to forecast the future. If you found this short piece about why, for all of your friends, but definitely not you personally, their friends have more friends than they do, all I ask is that you head on over to the Aperiodical, that's aperiodical.com, and vote for me, Samuel Hansen, in the first round of the Big Internet Math Off. That is all the time we have for this match in the first round of the Big Internet Math Off. If you want to know more about why your friends have more friends than you do, or about the music and effects used during this match, you can check out the links under the player on the Aperiodical or on relprime.com. Or you can listen to the season one episode of Relatively Prime called The Unexpected where Samuel told the longer version of this story. You can find that in the Relatively Prime podcast feed or at relprime.com slash theunexpected. Thank you so much for voting in the Big Internet Math Off. And if you are still on the fence about making sure that vote is for Samuel, don't be. Otherwise, you won't get the chance to hear about what an Irish bridge, graffiti, and the letters I, J, and K have to do with getting to the moon in the second round. So vote now, vote often, and vote for Samuel Hansen. And finally, of course, have a math week!